want to grab some attention, just combine the word toxic or deadly with the word sugar substitute and that will do it. Low calorie and no calorie sweeteners are so popular, but on the flip side, social media posts and other media headlines have created fear and uncertainty about using them. Are they dangerous? even toxic? It's confusing and hard to decipher what is sound factual science against what is low quality science or even pseudoscience. Don't go anywhere. Award-winning dietitian Neva Cochran is back to cut through the hype, share the sound science, and make sense of it all so you know what to do. Did you know that ProCare has a multivitamin soft chew that comes in three delicious fruit flavors? With flexible dosing, you can accommodate your whole family's vitamin needs, and it even includes iron. Paired with calcium chews and our protein powder, visit ProCareNow.com and use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 141. Tired of the hype and confusion when it comes to nutrition, especially bariatric nutrition? Eat this food? No, don't eat that food. Skip certain meals? Try this diet and just reset your pouch. It's enough to make you say, forget about it. I don't know what to do. Well, I do. I know what to do. When it comes to your bariatric surgery, nutrition is specific. So let's cut through the hype. Let's get the accurate nutrition information you need to know. I want you to feel well every day. Get out there. Do all those things on your bucket list. I created Bariatric Surgery Success just for you. You're in the right place. I'm so glad you're listening. And if you love the podcast, would you share it with someone who you feel would benefit or even write us a review on Apple Podcasts? I really appreciate it. Are you receiving my weekly newsletter? It's called Breaking Down Nutrition. If not, sign up today on the website, breakingdownnutrition.com. You'll be the first to know about private groups or giveaways, product specials, the latest podcasts and upcoming interviews that you don't want to miss, like today with Neva. Joining me is award-winning registered dietitian nutritionist, Neva Cochran, a nutrition communications consultant based in Dallas, Texas. Her work includes food, nutrition, and agriculture organizations where she shares fact-based information to help you eat beyond those headlines. She was a freelance writer and researcher for Women's World Magazine for 20 years and for Maximum Fitness and the Female Patient Magazines for five years each. You can find all of Neva's contact information in the show notes. So let's see, Neva was here last November to talk about sugar substitutes and their effect on the microbiome, specifically the gut. It's episode number 122, so wherever you listen to your podcast, but I'll also link to it in the show notes. She's back today to make sense of all this media hype surrounding various sweeteners. Welcome back, Neva. Thank you so much, Susan. I am so happy to be here and to talk with you and your listeners today because I want you all to really understand what's true and what's not true about these low and no calorie sweeteners. So I always enjoy the opportunity to talk with you. 
Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. And especially because it's so confusing right now. And, and to start with, there are just so many names for sugar substitutes, including artificial sweeteners, sugar substitutes, low and no sugar sweeteners. But they actually fall into different groups, such as sugar alternatives and sugar alcohols and artificial and non-nutritive sweeteners. So let's have a little bit of Science 101 today. Would you go over what sugar alternatives or no sugar sweeteners belong in which group? Yes, um, I'm happy to do that for all of y'all. Um, basically, there are you know two categories of sweeteners. There are those that you have mentioned that come by many names, low and no calorie sweeteners or artificial sweeteners or sugar substitutes. And these are the ones that provide few or no calories compared to sugar or other sweeteners like honey or corn syrup or maple syrup. So these are the ones that um, are aspartame, which has a brand name equal. And I want to explain, there's kind of two names for each one. There's the generic or the scientific name, and then there's the brand name. So kind of like thinking about how you might, you know, have um, have sugar and then you'd have pure cane sugar. So it's like a brand name. So aspartame is the scientific name for the sugar substitute equal. So similarly, sucralose is brand name Splenda, saccharin, brand name Sweet and Low, uh, stevia, which is actually um, steviol glycosides, it's not ground up stevia leaves, but that's known by Truvia or Splenda Natural Stevia. And then there's one called Asulfame K, which does not come in a packet, um, is just used with other sweeteners in different food and beverage products. So it's not available, available as a tabletop sweetener. Right. Then the other category is what we call sugar alcohols. And these are things like erythritol, mannitol, sorbitol, and xylitol. And they're not actually either sugar or alcohol, but their chemical structure is similar. So that's why they're, they're called sugar alcohols. They are a carbohydrate. They are nutritive, that they're sweet, but they're not completely absorbed and metabolized by the body. So they don't provide as many calories as sugar. And depending on which one it is, they can range from almost no calories to three calories per gram, while sugar contains four calories per gram. So you need to check your labels of the sugar alcohols to find out how many calories they actually provide. Now, one caution about sugar alcohols is that um, some of them like mannitol and sorbitol can cause some GI problems like gas and bloating and diarrhea if you eat too much. So be careful how much you eat at one time. Yeah, absolutely. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk a little more in depth about erythritol. So don't go anywhere because that was in the media a little while back. But we're going to start with the confusing headlines that have been just recent about sugar substitutes in general, and then specifically about sucralose, all of these in the last few days and few weeks. So much conflicting information in the news about these sweeteners. And sometimes, as you and I know, the information is accurate and it's reasonable. And other times, it's not only unrealistic, it's even ridiculous in the real world. So what is your take on all of this? I know that all of these conflicting and often scary headlines and news stories about sweeteners are confusing to you 
and frustrating. And believe you, believe you, me, believe me, you. Um, I, Dr. I Susan and frustrating. I are, <laughs> Dr. Susan and I are just as frustrated as yes. you are about about these these scary stories and these confusing stories because you know I and she we care about you enjoying your food without feeling guilty or afraid, and you know. You choose food for many reasons, not just nutrition and health. You know, taste is the number one driver of why people choose food. So we want our foods to taste good and we want to enjoy them. But cost is another thing. You know, what fits into your pocketbook? Whether they're available in the store where you shop. And then there's things like cultural and religious and family traditions that drive the foods that we like to eat and include in our meals. I know that you all want to enjoy eating and feel good. You know, after you've worked so hard to achieve the success that you have after your surgery. So I would suggest that, you know, by working together with the bariatric registered dietitian you may have locally, as well as uh, information you get from Dr. Susan, um, use these as resources to sort out the facts from the fiction. Yeah, that's um, what we really try to do on this podcast is, is lay it out there. Yes. You know, just lay it out there. This is what it really is. Go back and ask questions about this. So they're informed and ready yes. to go to their healthcare practitioner and say, hey, wait a minute, what about so-and-so? I mean, it's just like, you know, you see crazy headlines all the time, not just crazy headlines about nutrition or sweeteners, but um, you you don't totally change the way that you um, you do other things. Like if you saw one study about detergents, you, don't, you wouldn't change the detergent you buy or the car that you drive or uh, who you vote for because of one sensational headline or news story. So often if when it comes to nutrition and sweetener specifically, if you read the entire article, the headline overstates what is written in the article. So even the news story can be, the headline can be more sensational than the story itself. But often if you were to actually read the study, the article often exaggerates what the study says. And even sometimes the researchers will say that, you know, there are shortcomings or you can't apply this to everyone and it's only preliminary, but often that doesn't make it into the news story and especially the headline. Uh, I, oh, I so agree. And I think too, everyone is so pushed today, never enough workers for all the work to be done. And so often they just read the headlines or they read the abstract. They don't get into the article. It's sometimes really boring and takes a lot of time to go through the scientific study, how it was done, what the outcomes are, what these outcomes really mean, and then interpret them in ways that are correct. That takes time and skill. And I just don't think it happens enough. In fact, every time there's a shocking new headline, which is today, every day, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack and then dig into when it comes to the quality of the science and the recommendations of, okay, what does that translate into what I do at home? Is one sugar substitute better than another? These are some of the things that I would like you to really address. How much is safe? Do you feel it varies between sugar alcohols and no sugar sweeteners with zero calories as even go down so far as to one specific sweetener over another. These are the things people want to know. Just, just tell me the facts. What am I really supposed to choose and do here? Okay. You know, as, as we said before, you know, there are, there are the two groups. There's the low and no calorie sweeteners that have 
virtually no calories, and then the sugar alcohols, which have a few, uh, but still less than sugar. So first, looking at the low and no calorie sweeteners. Again, I'm just going to review. These are aspartame, saccharin, sucralose, ACE-K, ASULFAM-K, and stevia. These are all approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration as safe to consume. And the amounts that, that you would have to consume to exceed the uh, the recommended daily intake or the acceptable daily intake is nearly, it it is impossible for any human to achieve the amount you would have to eat. So there is no worry about using these, any of these sweeteners in moderation. They are all fine. And I think Uh, you just said a word that's important to repeat. There's nothing wrong with using these in moderation. Moderation. Yes. Um, Multiple studies were conducted on all of them before they were approved. So you can feel confident um, that you can use them safely. Um, If you want to talk about this one study that was done recently on sucralose, which you mentioned earlier, um, you know, this was... um, this was hyped. I mean, it was the Ooh. media coverage was really hyped and, and scared uh, people. As scared it, it people. did. I yeah. mean, I can see why why you were scared because you know it it really sounds like there's something to be concerned about. But actually, they weren't even looking at sucralose. They were looking at something that sounds like sucralose that isn't even in sucralose, and it's not in sucralose sweetened food and beverage products. It's called sucralose six acetate, and um, they so they mixed up, you know, what happens with sucralose six acetate versus the sweetener sucralose, and they actually did this study not in people and not even in rats. They put cells into a petri dish and applied large amounts of this sucralose six acetate again, which is not in sucralose, right. in a lab. <laughs> yes, and that's yes. how they got their results. Oh. So this does not apply in any form or fashion to what you do in your life every day. Yes. So yes. you can feel confident that that using Splenda or Sucralose is just fine. And this is not any reason to stop using or buying it. But you know, if you went uh, across the papers, the newspapers, online digital papers, or uh, social media, prof- uh, social media, you would see these scaring headlines that we, we call them clickbait, mm-hmm. <laughs> clickbait, because it makes you want to go, Oh, really? Oh, I better check this out. And then you click on the study or the story, which is what they want you to do. So clickbait is the whole name of the game in the newspaper or any kind of business where you're trying to get people to read things. And boy, oh boy, the things that were said had absolutely nothing to do with the truth of the study. So this is one of those very frustrating things. In fact, researchers from Harvard Medical School said right after these clickbait headlines came out that in a broad category, research results are often flawed due to the quality of the research method. And that's what Neva just told us about. The quality of that research didn't match up with what sucralose actually is. And that in nutrition studies, as in all medical studies, this needs to change and improve. In other words, Hyped headlines do not make research accurate, nor do they make it something that you necessarily need to follow or believe. You need to go to the people you trust and the places where you get information that's trustworthy and go from there. That's right. The U.S. approved daily intake for sucralose is five milligrams per kilogram per day. And that's 350 milligrams for 170 pound or a 77 kilogram person. 
To put that in perspective, a cake made with sucralose or Splenda contains 10 milligrams of sucralose. So that means you would have to eat 35 sucralose sweetened cakes a day or drink 18 liters or 50 12-ounce cans of sucralose-sweetened beverages a day to consume 350 milligrams. I doubt you're going to do that, so there's not a problem. And the fact is, of the sucralose that you consume, um, it's... 85% of it is not absorbed by the body and is just excreted unchanged. And of the small amount that is absorbed, none of it's broken down and circulating around the body. It is just very quickly excreted in the urine. And I think what you're saying with all of the science measurements and the grams and milligrams and things that we look at in the studies is that when you're using your sugar substitutes and in moderation, that's the key. And we're going to talk more about that as we go on. The key is where it's part of your toolbox. It isn't the toolbox. The only thing in your toolbox, it's part of your toolbox. Well, hold on. In a moment, we'll be right back and we'll talk about sugar alcohols, such as the recent news on erythritol. Don't go anywhere. Bariatric Surgery Success is thrilled to partner with New Hope Girls, women empowering women. They offer a discount to our community. Code? Transform to save 15% and celebrate our shared commitment to transformation. Shop their beautiful bags at newhopegirls.com. So, Neva, sugar alcohols, especially erythritol, they're very popular in the bariatric community as a non-sugar sweetener, especially erythritol. They do have very low calories, absorbed and metabolized a little bit differently. Erythritol seems to be tolerated well, doesn't seem to cause a lot of stomach upset. And for most people, not a lot of dumping syndrome, unless it's overly consumed in terms of a lot of it, which we've just said is not the idea. But recently it got some bad press. But there's more to this story, too, than the headline says, right? Right. Um, You know, erythritol has become very popular uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, because it doesn't cause the GI distress that some of the others do. Um, And this study earlier in the year had very sensational headlines that implied that it it could increase the risk for heart attack or stroke. Um, But... If you were to read the study, the researchers clearly stated that their findings did not show cause and effect, just an association or a link. That means that they found that in some of these people that had heart disease or stroke, that they also were using erythritol. So we don't know if the erythritol caused the problems or It just happened to be a coincidence that people that had, you know, a history of heart disease and stroke were using erythritol because they wanted to lower their calorie intake and lower their sugar intake to decrease their risk of further heart disease or stroke. So you really, um, you know, and the people that were in the study already had heart disease and stroke. So it's hard to say that it caused it. Um, you don't know when they started using it. And most likely, it's it's a more recently popular sweetener. They used it, they started using it afterwards. So it wasn't necessarily the cause of this. So um, these people were older, they had high blood pressure, they had diabetes. So there were a lot of risk factors that they had. Um, so you can't apply these to the general population because it was a very specific population of people that were already at risk. The right. And I line, think that's a really, really important point here to make is that yes, and I mean, this I think study is not applied all, to everyone. Yeah. 
Exactly. That that uh, many of the people, you know, many of you out there don't fit into this category. You know, you're not that old. Um, you you don't have heart disease. And so, you know, it doesn't necessarily apply to you, even if these studies were correct. And we don't even know that. Um, I doubt that they are. I mean, the bottom line that erythritol has been proven to be safe and it's an effective choice to use in place of sugar if you're trying to reduce your calories and your sugar intake. And it's been used for more than 30 years in foods and beverages. And it's it's very poorly metabolized and it's mainly excreted in the urine. So it's really not, you know, uh, circulating around in your body causing any problems. So I, again, feel comfortable and safe enjoying Eating foods that are sweetened with erythritol just to make your meals more pleasurable. Right. And, you know, I think this is very interesting is why some people prefer one sweetener over another. You and I were having a discussion about this the other day about the new research and science behind why we like certain tastes and flavors and why you may prefer, oh, say, sweet and low and somebody else may like stevia. Talk about that, about why some people like one sweetener over another. You know, people genetically have different taste perceptions, which affects the way that different sweeteners taste to them. And I mean, just think about other foods, like some people really love broccoli and other people hate it. And it comes down to taste. Um, So the same goes for low calorie sweeteners. I know people that prefer saccharin or sweet and low in in stevia, but I find both of those to be bitter. So it just, it all depends. Um, Studies have found that it is our genes. And I mean, the the genes like our genetic makeup, not our denim pants. (laughs) Not those denim jeans. (laughs) that, That our genes determine how we perceive bitterness. So people are different. But the good news is there are so many options, which we didn't used to have when I was growing up. There was one. Um, so it's it's most likely you're going to be able to find a product that suits your taste preferences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And ever wondered whatever, what else is in those packets beside the low-calorie sweetener? What else do they put in there? Well, people may be surprised to learn that 95% of the powder in those packets is not the low or no calorie sweetener. <laughs> I know. But, most people, you're like, what? what well, then what am I doing? <laughs> you know, the, the reason that they, they're so intensely sweet that there's just a tiny amount, like 5% of that package is a sweetener. And so if they only put in it, put that in the packet, it would get lost. Yeah, you would hardly, like, where is it? it And it wouldn't be there. So they have to put it in something that's extremely low calorie, kind of as a carrier to keep it, you know, available for you. So it's, uh, it's mixed with two very low sweet carbs called dextrose or maltodextrin. And uh, they, the maltodextrin is 95% less sweet than sugar. And dextrose, which is actually just the uh, same thing as glucose or blood sugar, but it's called dextrose when it's an ingredient in food, is 20 to 30% less sweet than uh, regular white table sugar. So when they use these, they provide very few calories, but they're a way to carry the the actual intensely sweetened, low-calorie sweetener uh, that you can use in your foods and beverages. I think that's fascinating how that's done. So all of this that we have talked about, let's just get to the bottom line advice. 
What is your bottom line advice to my community about the sugar substitutes? I want everyone to feel confident that you can use these sweeteners to enjoy the sweet taste of foods and beverages with fewer calories. That's what we all want, even dietitians. We want to enjoy our food. As a nutrition scientist, I have extensively dived into the research about sweeteners, and I am confident, and I can assure you that they are safe and they can help people lose and maintain when they're maintain their weight when they're used as part of a balanced nutrition meal plan. I use them myself every single day. They make eating better, they make it more tasty, and they make it more fun for me. Thank you, Neva. Thanks for joining me today and for coming in and going back over a little Science 101 and getting to why the headlines aren't always something to be believed. And then lastly, that you can feel safe when these are part of a balanced diet. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Susan. And you know, I see all of these as yet another tool in your toolbox. I know I mentioned that earlier. So remember, these sugar substitutes, they're not the only tool. You don't focus on them all day, every day. They're a small part of your overall new lifestyle after surgery. And if you're concerned, then mix it up. Try to find several that you like the flavor of and use different ones. That will even spread it out more. Because remember, you are worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.